Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.04 Central Daylight Time. It's the 22nd of October. I do believe it's a Thursday, in fact. This is episode 307 of Bitcoin, and not sure about today's show, honestly. Uh, there's seems to be a very large dearth of news because of the frickin' PayPal news and the pump yesterday. Uh, so this is going to be a... It, it'll... We'll we'll do what we can, but everybody seems to be talking about PayPal, and that that's why the pump happened. I I don't know. Whatever. There, we're going to start out with the PayPal news, but we certainly aren't going to end there because there's you know there's there's other things. Okay, there's there's a lot of other things. So let's let's start it this up with the PayPal news. Uh, we'll do this one from Reuters. PayPal to allow cryptocurrency buying, selling, and shopping on its network. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we'll get into that. Anna Irira is writing this for, like I said, Reuters.com. Uh, let's see. It looks like it was done sometime yesterday. PayPal Holdings Incorporated joined the cryptocurrency market on Wednesday, allowing customers to buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin and other virtual coins using the United States Digital Payments Company's online wallet. PayPal customers will also be able to use cryptocurrency to shop at the 26 million merchants on its network starting in early 2021, the company said in a statement. PayPal hopes the service will encourage global use of virtual coins and prepare its network for new digital currencies that may be developed by central banks and corporations. (laughs) President and Chief Executive Dan Shulman said in an interview, quote, we are working with central banks and thinking of all forms of digital currencies and how PayPal can play a role. He said, U.S. account holders will be able to buy, sell, and hold cryptocurrencies in their PayPal wallets Over the coming weeks, the company said it plans to expand to Venmo and some countries in the first half of 2021. Other mainstream fintech companies, such as mobile payments provider Square Inc. and stock trading app firm Robinhood Markets Incorporated, allow users to buy sell cryptocurrencies. But PayPal's launch is noteworthy given its vast reach. I personally haven't used PayPal in years, honestly. I'm serious. I I haven't used PayPal. I haven't I haven't needed to use PayPal in so long. It's not even funny. Not because of Bitcoin, just because I just refuse to use freaking PayPal. I just I can't do it, man. I mean, I just can't. We'll get into all that. <clears throat> Other mainstream fintech companies, uh oh, sorry. The company, based in San Jose, California, has 346 million active accounts around the world and processed $222 billion in payments in the second quarter. Cryptocurrencies tend to be volatile, making them attractive to speculators, but a lot less appealing to merchants and shoppers. Transactions have been slower and more costly than other mainstream payment systems. Cryptocurrency payments on on PayPal will be settled using fiat currencies, such as the U.S. dollar, meaning merchants will not receive payments in virtual coins, the company said. Many central banks around the world have expressed their intention to develop uh, digital versions of their currencies in the coming years, while Facebook Inc. led the creation of a cryptocurrency project called Libra in 2019, PayPal was a founding member but dropped out after a few months. PayPal, which has secured the first conditional cryptocurrency license from the New York State Department of Financial Services, will initially allow purchases of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies called Ethereum, Bcash, and Litecoin, it said. It partners with Paxos Trust Company to offer the service. Okay, Litecoin? Really? I mean, I heard about the Bcash thing and the Ethereum thing, but I still not sure why Litecoin, but whatever. Um, okay, look, guys, I have an unpopular opinion here. PayPal still doesn't allow you to use Bitcoin. That's the unpopular opinion because it doesn't allow you to use Bitcoin. 
it allows you to somehow or another to hold Bitcoin in, in a wallet, which is, which is custodial. You don't have the keys. And always remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So they will take it or they will figure out a way to freeze it. I mean, you know, that was the thing with PayPal. We kind of got into an argument with a few folks yesterday of that Square was just, you know, they were telling me Square is just as bad. And I'm like, yeah, but Square is not in the news about it. PayPal is and has been for like five years, shutting down all manner of stuff. I remember the one story about this kid who had a, he had built, I don't know, he was like 15 or 16 when PayPal first came out. And he had been looking for a way to start an online shop. And the minute that PayPal came out, uh, he was like, oh, hey, here it is. I don't need a bank. Why did all that happen? Well, because he's 15, he can't get a bank account. He sure as shit ain't getting a business bank account. But with PayPal, he was able to do that. So he was selling t-shirts online and he apparently built a fairly, fairly good business. Okay. Now remember the guy's 15. So five years, was it six or seven? Yeah, it was like six or seven, maybe even eight or nine years later. PayPal just shuts down his account. He, He hasn't done anything. Literally, he hasn't transacted with anybody outside of the country. He's only selling in the United States because he doesn't want to do shipping to outside, you know, force, you know, places. So it's not like he was, he accidentally stumbled over selling a a funny t-shirt to a fucking terrorist, right? So that was not the problem. He finally figured out, and I guess this was when PayPal would actually tell you things as to what was going on, is that they had discovered that when he opened his account that he was not of legal age because he was in fact not of legal age he was not 21 and i think they're i think their eula stated that you had to be 21 but nobody reads the eula and there was no way for them to prove it at the time that you know or get somebody to prove their their stuff at the time there is now you know with taking a picture of your id and all that stuff but at the time they were just we just trust you to say you know tell us the truth well he lied i get that part He was 15. He got himself a PayPal account. Years go by. And not only, not only did they just freeze his account, but they wouldn't let him withdraw anything. I think as far as I know, they've never let him withdraw. And I heard this story about five years ago. Maybe, yeah, yeah, about five years ago is when I first heard this story. So that was, and I heard several stories about PayPal doing that. PayPal this and PayPal that and PayPal everything and they suck and blah, blah, blah. They're the ones that are in the mainstream news jacking people around not Square, okay? Even though Square app does cut off people's account for the same BS reasons, because they're not in the news about it, they're, as far as, you know, the majority of people that are, you know, in the space, they're kind of like clean as a whistle, even though that they're not, right? So PayPal and, and Square may be just as bad as each other, but PayPal's the one with, with uh, mud all over its face because of the way that they've treated their customers in the past. Anyway, they're going to take your Bitcoin. They're going to find a way to shut you down. You will have somehow or another transgressed over some weird rule that you never heard of because nobody reads the EULA. And they'll say, you know what? We're just shutting your account down and they'll just, they'll just take your Bitcoin because they can. This is why I will never use PayPal to custody any Bitcoin. I don't use PayPal to buy things anyway, so I sure am not going to rush to the gates to do this. And I recommend that you don't either. Unless you have no other choice. And by the way, you have other choices. Okay, you don't need to use PayPal, right? Okay, that's the whole thing. However, it seems clear that the PayPal thing gave us an 8% bump yesterday. It was an interesting candle to watch, and we're still actually watching it because it looks like it may be rebounding a little bit. Anyway, so uh, let's get into a little bit more about other people saying bad things about or telling us why this is not exactly the greatest thing in the world for, you know, uh, Bitcoin to be on PayPal. The good and the bad about cryptocurrency on PayPal. Uh, Martin Young is writing this for Crypto Potato uh, sometime this morning. Global payments provider PayPal has almost 350 million users and 26 million vendors in its network, so the introduction of crypto payments has been widely lauded as bullish for the industry, but they're not crypto payments. Crypto market surged and Bitcoin cranked to a new 2020 high of 13,200 during the hours after the news broke. Many industry experts have praised the move as a great thing for Bitcoin and the entire crypto ecosystem, but all might not be what it seems. 
Uh, let's see here. Enabling de uh, decentralized digital assets on a highly centralized platform with astronomical fees may not be the best combination. Yeah, no kidding. So will they have a tweet here by Willie Wu. Let's see what this tweet says. It says user base, 346 million. Uh, user base for Bitcoin. Oh, user base for PayPal is 346 million. User base for Bitcoin is 187 million. And that's a big deal. Estimating how many hodlers of BTC from on-chain forensics is from the incredible work of Glassnode. And it just shows a whole, this basically graph that almost looks like the price graph of Bitcoin that shows the amount of hodlers going up uh, and to the right over time. But <clears throat> let's continue on. No crypto withdrawals and big fees. Firstly, PayPal will not allow crypto assets to be withdrawn to external wallets. So essentially, once they're on the platform, PayPal can set whatever price it wants for users needing to convert it back to fiat. If anyone has used PayPal to change currencies or send money to an account in another country, they'll be painfully aware of the Forex spread, which can be as much as 8% depending on the currency being converted. OKCoin okay, COO Jason Lau pointed out the pain that may be in store regarding the fees. And they have a tweet from Jason Lau that says, PayPal's crypto offering has some caveats. Number one, users won't be able to withdraw. Two, expensive. You have to pay a spread and the fees. So no matter what the spread on the Forex is, you're still going to be having to pay not only that, but the fees, whether or not the spread is wide or narrow. Okay, it's just, dude. And some of these things are pretty uh, pretty nasty. Let me see, uh, let me see if I can get zero in on the picture. So a purchase... <clears throat> This is buying and selling cryptocurrencies from uh, the uh, uh, PayPal. Uh, I guess their new EULA or their, their inf you know, frequently asked questions. Transaction fees are based on how much, crypto, uh, how much cryptocurrency you buy or sell. So the purchase or sale amount, if it's anywhere between 1 and 25 bucks, you're going to pay 50 cents uh, USD. If it's somewhere between 25 and $100, you're going to be paying a fee of 2.3% of purchase or the sale amount. And then it kind of goes back down from there. It's like 100 to 200 is 2%, 200 to 1,000 is 1.8%. And anywhere um, anywhere more, or yeah, 200 to 1,000 is 1.8%. And anywhere above $1,000 is going to always be 1.5%. That's, you know, that, that, that can add up. So watch out for the fees. And again, that's gonna be on top of the Forex spread. Additionally, PayPal will not allow crypto transfers between different accounts, as observed by lawyer Jake Chir Chervinsky. I never can pronounce it right. He says, this is a highlight of the PayPal news for me. They are not only preventing withdrawals to self-custody, they won't even allow transfers between accounts. I'll be glad to speak with PayPal's legal team about why these restrictions are not required for regulatory compliance. So Jake's basically saying that they don't need to do this to comply with regulation. They're just doing it. And the question is, why? If they don't have to do it, why are they doing it? You should keep that in the back of your mind if you even consider this bullshit. Essentially, PayPal has mimicked the purchasing of crypto assets on trading platforms such as Robinhood offering users exposure to the asset, but preventing them from owning it independently. Chernivsky added that you can't make withdraw that if you can't make withdrawals to self-custody and don't hold your own keys, is it even Bitcoin? My answer is no, it's not. It's something, but you don't even know. Honestly, you don't even know if it's Bitcoin. You, you literally don't even know. They can tell, like you send them money, they tell you there's Bitcoin in there, but it could be anything. It could just be the money. I don't know. I mean, I could actually denominate my bank account in Bitcoin just from value. I could say that my bank holds X amount of Bitcoin. And people would go, well, that's a, that seems like a lot of Bitcoin. But it's just me saying that I have this money and this is what it would be worth in Bitcoin. And I just say it, so therefore it's true. No, that's not how this works. So the last thing, or possible problematic thing is taxes. The tax man cometh. The whole setup could also open a huge can of worms when it comes to taxes. PayPal is only offering crypto services to United States account holders initially, and America happens to have some of the harshest tax regulations on the planet. 
The United States Internal Revenue Service classifies crypto assets such as Bitcoin as property, not currencies. Therefore, they are subject to capital gains taxes. The means that PayPal users, wait a minute, probably means, or that sentence probably should be, this means that PayPal users buying, selling, or spending crypto will be generating taxable events that need to be reported. Try getting into what I'm doing with my Lightning Network and see if you can figure that one out. If a user buys a smartphone <clears throat> using Bitcoin, for example, they would need to declare the price they obtained the BTC at and the price it was when they sold it for the item paying taxes on any gains it may have made in addition to VAT or value added tax on any items purchased. The documentation for reporting is a minefield and PayPal has already stated it is down to the individual, not them, to complete tax returns. Quote, it is your responsibility to determine what taxes, if any, apply to transactions you make using your cryptocurrencies hub. End quote. The good news is that PayPal may introduce the concept of cryptocurrency to millions of new users, but the drawbacks will probably prevent them from using the platform in the long run. I'm never going to be using PayPal. Like I said, I haven't used it in years. I don't see a need to use it now, and I don't like the company. Fuck them. So let's go talk about something completely different. I'm done with the whole PayPal thing, okay? I don't care. This is literally the only thing that I care about out of this entire thing is an 8% pump, and it was exciting to watch yesterday, and there was lots of popcorn, and I really enjoyed myself. But PayPal... PayPal can just basically go smoke themselves to death. I literally don't care. However, this one, I kind of care about. Nigeria protests showing Bitcoin adoption is not coming. It's already here. <laughs> Sandali Handagama is writing this for Coindesk sometime, what, yesterday? When? Yeah, sometime yesterday. Nigerians called for the disbandment of the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, also named SARS, in 2017. And the government supposedly complied, but after reports of SARS officers allegedly killing a young boy in southern Nigeria surfaced on October the 3rd of this year, protests erupted again. The police unit stands accused of illegal killings, extortion, and torture of innocent civilians. Many of its victims over the years were young men between the ages of 18 and 35. On October the 9th, Yili Badimosi, CEO of Binance-backed payments app Bundle, took to Twitter to share his own brutal encounter with SARS. Youths marched through the street of Lagos while the hashtag NSARS went viral on social media, leading to protests in countries with large Nigerian diaspora, or, sorry, diaspora populations, including the UK, the US, Canada, and Germany. The next day... <clears throat> Bandamosi's firm set up crypto wallets to help raise funds for the protests, highlighting projects already underway. Local activist groups such as the Feminist Coalition had already started raising funds in multiple fiat currencies to help sustain the protest. Within days, the coalition's bank accounts were frozen and the coalition asked donors to divert their funds to Bitcoin wallets. Not crypto wallets, it says Bitcoin wallets. As of October the 18th, the group had raised more than 7.2 Bitcoin, or $82,000, accounting for 44% of the total funds raised by the movement. The message spread far and wide. Even Twitter founder Jack Dorsey used his platform to promote Bitcoin donations on October the 20th. Reports surfaced that Nigerian security forces had opened fire on protesters. The The coalition announced it was continuing its efforts to support the injured. Quote, I knew that it was going to kind of snowball into what it has become, and it's kind of crazy that all of this has happened in just like six or seven days, Badamosi told Coindesk. This is all part of a larger story. Nigeria's predominantly young population, its status as a regional tech hub, and an inflationary local currency, along with a large diaspora looking to send remittances home, have been driving crypto adoption and innovation in Africa's most populated country. Now, Nigeria's federal government is making plans to facilitate national blockchain adoption. The cluelessness is so naked. It's so naked that we, we uh, it doesn't matter what country you're in. You are being led by people who have almost no capacity to think about anything other than their next election. 
we're just do blockchain. That'll make them happy. That is a let them eat cake moment right there, man. A chain analysis report on the geography of crypto revealed Nigeria ranked eighth out of 154 countries in its 2019-2020 global adoption index. The country ranked first among African continue countries in peer-to-peer payments, moving $139 million in the past year, the report said. In late 2018, Ahmed Rashid, 29, opened a Bitcoin wallet for his unborn daughter in Nigeria's western state of Oyo. The previous year, after a friend had introduced him to crypto, he quickly amassed $720, the equivalent of his six months of his then salary as a physics and mathematics teacher. Good God. He received the crypto through airdrops, where projects deliver small amounts to wallets for free, usually as a marketing strategy. With the money, Rashid bought a laptop, quit his job, and immediately opened Bitcoin wallets for his wife and elder daughter. He eventually found work in marketing at a blockchain firm, and his wife also found work with a blockchain project. Now, when he has to pay his daughter's school fees, he converts savings from her designated wallet into Nira, Naira, I think is how it's pronounced. That's the local currency. We're definitely a blockchain family, Rashid told Coindesk. Rashid's enthusiasm for investing in crypto is happening at a national scale. According to Nena, there is no way I'm pronouncing this name. Nena says Nigeria, Nigeria regional, she's the Nigerian regional manager at peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange Paxful. In the periods between January and September 2020, new registrations at the exchange rose 137% compared to the same period last year. Now the exchange has over 600,000 Nigerian users she told Coindesk, or he, I don't know, anyway, quote, this year cryptocurrency popularity and usage by Nigerians has grown by leaps and bounds, Nara said, adding the COVID-19 pandemic and the Central Bank of Nigeria's, Nigeria's uh, recent devaluation of the Naira are compelling more people to actively search for other means to secure their wealth. According to Senator Ilhan, Fintech lawyer and general secretary of Nigeria's blockchain association, Saiban, a self-regulatory body in the industry. Adoption trends show that the largest use cases for crypto are in remittances and P2P trading. Nara confirmed this, adding that Paxful's Nigerian customers are very knowledgeable and have evolved from using Bitcoin only as a form of speculative investment to making online payments, cross-border remittances, freelancer payments, and e-commerce. According to Ilhan, there are about 10 international and local exchanges in Nigeria, some which are currently registered with Saiban, but he suspects there might be more operating in the country. Mayowa Tonoto, a software engineer who is building crypto exchange projects on the Ethereum blockchain, helped Africa-based uh, digital payments platform InterSwitch to develop a cross-border payment system. Tadonu calls remittances a core application of blockchain that can severely disrupt international payments. Quote, people who have to pay their kids school fees to send money to families are beginning to adopt Bitcoin as a form of remittance. I mean, we're looking at transaction volumes in terms of billions of Naira, Tadonu said. According to a report from consulting company Price Waterhouse Coopers, Nigerian migrants sent home a whopping $23.6 billion in remittances in 2018 alone. Additionally, since Bitcoin allows for quick transfers uh, of large volumes, particularly for international trade deals, intermediaries would facilitate fiat to crypto transfers between Nigeria and other countries like China. Bernard Para, 28, got started in the crypto space by personally handling large over-the-counter transfers on behalf of businessmen. P2P lending platforms, Paxful and local Bitcoin saw dramatic surges in trading volumes in the first seven months of 2020, which began to decline in the following months. Although Nigerians are looking for a hedge against the continued pressure on the Naira, uh, on the Naira, Narwa said the devaluation of the currency meant people had less money to spend. Quote, we have seen cases of active customers very much interested in trading but cannot continue due to lack of sufficient funds or job lo- job loss, Nara said. Software developer Tadonu began building Ethereum-based digital payments infrastructure after completing a course on Ethereum development with consensus. Oh, God. In 2018, he told Coindesk he was one of the high scorers and has since gone on to build a successful career in the industry. Tadonu often 
mentions or often mentors Nigerian developers interested in breaking into blockchain. An underlying reason why blockchain is gaining traction fast in Nigeria is because its young and tech-savvy population show an eagerness to learn about Web 3.0, a decentralized internet powered by blockchain technology. Awasika Israel Ayadaje is a project designer at Web3 Bridge, blockchain education platform created on to onboard developers in Africa. Quote, blockchain has a lot more potential for us in terms of building system infrastructure, government infrastructure. Also, I personally saw how if you were heading into the blockchain space, it's easier to create a name and brand a niche for yourself, he told Coindesk. He acknowledged that airdrops are not necessarily enough. His efforts to teach the tech behind the airdrop so far introduced 40 developers into the space last year. Saiban's Ilhin said educators have done great work so far. Some of them work online. Some of them also go to cities across Nigeria trying to educate people, especially young people, about cryptocurrency and blockchain. Ilhin said adding that some used WhatsApp groups to organize classes and communicate. Interesting. So let's see where, oh, in Nigeria's northwestern state of Kano, 29-year-old Sani Musasaru, who is managing the family savings in crypto, was excited to find that his government was officially supporting blockchain adoption in the country. Sharu saw a draft framework that was obtained by a local news outlet last week that revealed key government ministries were involved in developing strategies for nationwide blockchain adoption, which included the creation of comprehensive regulatory oversight before this. The government had left the crypto industry largely alone, apart from the CBN in 2017 declaring digital currencies are not legal tender in Nigeria, the country's Security and Exchange Commission issuing a warning about investing in crypto and later classifying all crypto assets as securities There had been no major efforts by the government to regulate crypto. Earlier this year, when Para decided to launch his crypto payments app, app Bitnob, he said he he did not uh, have to obtain a license to launch the app in exchange. He only needed to register his business with the Corporate Affairs Commission. Earlier this month, while protesting in Lagos, Para was multitasking by pushing updates for his app, which he says has been gaining traction since May. Quote, we have to keep things moving as well, in quote, he said. Okay, so Nigeria's blowing up here. From everywhere, from the where the government's thinking about regulation to people using it for remittances, for people using it to educate other people, for Nigerians looking to get into jo- you know better jobs, and Nigeria being the largest co- uh, country or the most populated country in Africa. This is why I said and have been saying for over a year, I am not looking for Bitcoin adoption in the West. I am looking for Bitcoin adoption specifically in Africa, Central America, and South America. Right? Those are the first places that I see as being like the real linchpins for the rest of the world having no choice but to do this shit. Right now, you have a choice. You can use fiat. You can go get a bank account. The chances that you can't get a bank account in the United States are pretty slim. I mean, it happens a lot. I mean, there's a lot more unbanked here than I think we'd like to like to think about. But I don't know a single person and have never known a single person that could not get a bank account except my children. And that's because they're underage, which I still get pissed off about and have told them straight up that you're too young to get a bank account. And they look at me like I'm pissed or like like they're pissed off at me for telling them that. And I'm like, this ain't me, pal. This is the bank. If you want your own bank account, you got to get into Bitcoin. And then they're just looking at me going, oh, God, Dad. <laughs> uh, let's run the numbers. Oil is up. Got West Texas Intermediate up almost, a, well, actually a, a little bit over a full point. It'll cost you $40.50 to buy a barrel of that. <clears throat> Brent North Sea is up also a point, $42.17 for a barrel of that. Natural gas di- uh, has dived to, I don't know, like down, it like, looks like it's down half a point, but it's still at three bucks for a thousand cubic feet. That's kind of, that's kind of a lot. 
Metals are all down. Gold is down over half a point. Silver is down 0.8. Platinum is down half a point. Copper is down 1.2%, which seems a little odd, but uh, palladium is down almost a full point. We have, uh, yeah, everything's going sideways on the indices. We got the Dow futures down 0.1, S&P down 0.1, NASDAQ down 0.1, and the S&P mini is up 0.3. So that's going to be like one of those days that's just meh. However, let's look at Bitcoin, which is almost back over $13,000. In some cases, like a bid asset, it actually is, and that's going to be our high price. Bid asset is $13,005. Our low is going to be... Yep, 12,971. So we got a 29 or uh, like a, a 20, $34 gap there. 297,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 12,300 transactions every hour on the hour. Almost 4 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's $51.8 billion worth being sent in the last 24 hours. 166 point, or sorry, 166,600 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour, whereas the average transaction value is 13.5 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.054. That's still almost $700, though. Block times are extraordinarily high at 11 minutes, 20 seconds. We have 1.1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 150 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Ethereum is at 412, Bcash at 269, Litecoin at 55.5, BSV at 169, Ethereum Classic at 5.5, Dogecoin, wow, 0.0027 USD. And uh, with 38,200 transactions, it pretty much smokes Bcash and Ethereum Classic. But again, Litecoin is at 106,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. I can only assume that that's going to increase now that PayPal has uh, launched their news that they're going to accept Litecoin. I don't recommend it. I, I do not recommend holding anything other than Bitcoin. So, you know, shitcoin at your own risk, pal, because I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to help you out there. Clark Moody dashboard. We've got 48,000 transactions waiting to clear, and that's going to take about 34 blocks, especially considering the block times are so high. <clears throat> we have, as far as the Lightning Network, we have 1,046 BTC as total capacity. And that means it's about $13.6 million of liquidity, 7,528 nodes, 36,079 channels. Percentage of Tor capacity remains the same as yesterday, 50.3%. There are 526.7 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that is going to be operating over 2,479 Lightning nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Part two of the morning roundup starts off with one of the oddest damn things I've seen anybody say regarding Bitcoin from a regulatory standpoint. Bitcoin's core value is to be rationed, says the acting U.S. comptroller of the currency. Jordan Lyonchev is writing this for Crypto Potato sometime yesterday. Let's find out. Let's see if we can find out what the hell core value is to be rationed means okay let's not freak out just yet during his appearance on dc fintech week 2020 the acting comptroller of the currency brian brooks praised decentralized networks highlighted the expanding role of cryptocurrencies and the necessary regulations and hinted that central banks could actually become nodes to blockchain networks please, please let us in your club please 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 i that's what it seems like to me man in Brooks's opinion, <clears throat> banks have treated cryptocurrency assets as, quote, pawn shops or some other kinds of disfavored businesses that can't be touched, end quote, in the past four to five years. <clears throat> he believes that digital assets are widely misunderstood and even representatives of the financial world have trouble comprehending their role. 
Although Brooks admitted that cryptocurrencies contained a certain amount of risk, he noted that global regulators hadn't done enough to establish a, quote, safe framework in which banks will feel comfortable to operate in, end quote. That's why the OCC issued a letter recently greenlighting U.S. banks and federal savings associations to hold reserves on behalf of stablecoin issues. Maybe a bad translation. I don't know. Some of the risks he mentioned include terrorist financing and money laundering. God. Be a little bit more imaginative, people. However, he asserted that the OCC is focused on taking the necessary steps to facilitate the usage and enhance user protection. Brooks further explained that these measures are mandatory for the cryptocurrency industry to reach mass adoption. He outlined that decentralized assets and networks could benefit the entire financial world because they provide multiple benefits. Quote, we see a future where decentralization is very, very likely an unstoppable network out there. Decentralized networks, by definition, are cheaper, faster, and more resilient than any kind of centralized structure. Now that the technology exists to make that possible, it seems not only good, but inevitable that those things will rise, end quote. <clears throat> he also sees a future in which banks and cryptocurrencies coexist and work together. <laughs> We're not going to be singing Kumbaya anytime soon, man. Furthermore, he expects that there's a future where banks will be directly connected to blockchains, where they will see it as a payments network. They will become nodes on that network along with other com- all other companies that are nodes on that network, end quote. By making an analogy with communications apps on smartphones, Brooks said that various cryptocurrencies serve different roles. Quote, the thesis for Bitcoin is one day it's possible that America and Europe will adopt monetary policies that look like Venezuela's monetary policy and government-issued currencies will have no value. Oh, shit. because they will be debased. At some point, there will be real inflation in the system. Bitcoin is not supposed to do anything other than be rationed. That's its core value. End quote. On the other hand, stablecoins could enable people from all over the world to send funds without worrying that their value will fluctuate during the transfer. Uh, that's That's the end of it. Holy crap. Brooks said that various, okay, I'm just going back. I'm, I'm reading this again because I want to make sure that the off the, that the guy from the office of the comptroller of the currency, the, the acting guy, Brooks actually said this. Brooks said that various cryptocurrencies serve different roles. And there's two quotes or there's this one quote and the last sentence says, Bitcoin is not supposed to do anything other than be rationed. That's its core value. <clears throat> and the fact that he's admitted that it's very possible that America and Europe will adopt monetary policies that look like Venezuela's monetary policy and government-issued currencies will have no value because they will be debased. And at some point, there will be real inflation in the system. Guys, you just got your first taste of a United States uh, uh, officer in the government actually telling you the what could po- most likely happen. Everybody else is saying, no, everything's going to be fine. This is the... This is the office of the control of the currency saying we could look like Venezuela's monetary policy in the United States and Europe. And that he seems to understand what Bitcoin's core value proposition is. It's going to be an interesting decade, y'all. It's going to be an interesting decade. Uh, Bitcoin price hits new record high in these seven countries. Ha ha. I thought I was going to talk about PayPal again, didn't you? Nope, 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 nope. William Suberg is going to lead us away from PayPal news and talk about some other things, although I'll bet you the word PayPal comes up. He's writing it for Cointelegraph sometime very very early this morning. <clears throat> Compiled by entrepreneur and market commentator Alistair Milne, exchange rate figures show that this week's highs, Bitcoin was worth more in seven currencies than ever before. And then here's the quote from Alistair Milne. Countries where Bitcoin has hit a new all-time high in their local currency. Brazil. Population 209 million. Turkey, population 82 million. Argentina, 45.5 million people. Sudan, 41 million people. Angola, 30 million. Venezuela, 29 million. And Zambia, 17 million people. Soon, Russia and Colombia. Then, all other fiat currencies. That's the end of Alistair's... uh, Is it Al... Al, Yeah, Alistair. Alistair Milne's tweet. That's the end of it. So... 
Uh, Bitcoin's weekly gain stood at 15% overnight on Wednesday as BTC USD pair reached 13,200 before reversing to press time levels uh, of 12,800. The rate of change surprised many and came at a time when many countries' fiat currencies, specifically those of developing nations, were suffering from the coronavirus and the impact of central banks' economics, economic reactions to it. The last time that Bitcoin traded at around 13,000, and even when it hit its all its own all-time highs of 20,000 in late 2017, the economic picture looked very different. In Brazil, for example, <clears throat> where one BTC now buys more reals than ever before, savers have seen the value of their currency decline by 28% against the United States dollar in a single year. At 209 million people, Brazil formed the largest country by population on Milne's list. The others include Turkey, Argentina, Venezuela, where the total population of all the countries involved standing at 450 million people. Milne additionally forecast that Russia and Colombia would soon join, followed by at some point, well, as you heard, all other fiat currencies. Meanwhile, Bitcoin's inverse correlation to the United States dollar index remained in focus as the bull run took hold, measuring USD strength against a back basket of partner currencies. The DXY declined during October to press time levels of 92.72, coinciding with fresh strength in BTC. The impact of the upcoming U.S. elections may produce further USD volatility, analysts warn. Quote, if the DXY closes below the structure in the 92.5 zone, this would support any inflation assets like commodities and gold, as well as growth stocks, Miles Rutan of Bytown Capital wrote earlier this month. The extent of Bitcoin's growth has nonetheless led to announcements that it has left behind its correlation and to traditional macro assets. Yeah, well, we always do that. And then we always get correlated again. And honestly, there is no correlation. The, the correlations are local, all right? They're, they're just local. The, the more you zoom out of that chart, the, the more you realize that Bitcoin has never really been all that correlated, ever. There are times in which it does correlate, but that's like... I mean, okay, think of it this way. Uh, two sinusoidal waves, like two sound waves, right? And one goes off and you just hear a tone, right? If another one of a different frequency goes off and it plays and the, uh, the first or, or both waveforms are playing at the same time, you're going to get points at which it sounds like they kind of co- coincide with each other and then they pull back. That's the structure of two systems that are you know basically kind of like running in organic cycles when they're played against each other it's at, it it looks at at any given time that it want at these points that they coincide with each other but they really don't they're two different frequencies what you're seeing is this local co- coincidence of these two waveforms that's all that is it's just I really, I really have never considered Bitcoin as being correlated with pretty much anything, honestly. So there's that. Now, <clears throat> almost half a million USDT has been minted in the past 36 hours as Bitcoin rallies. That's that's a lot of US. That's a lot of tether, guys. That's a, a shit ton. Joshua Mapperson has this for Coin Telegraph or way early this morning. And says the Tether Treasury has minted almost half a billion Tether tokens and distributed more than 185 million Tether to exchanges and other addresses in the last 36 hours. As shown by blockchain tracker Whale Alert, two transactions of 150 million and 300 million Tether tokens were minted on October the 20th and 21st, respectively. The first 150 million was printed only hours before PayPal's announcement. Oh, and the Bitcoin price rally that followed. Although some raise the usual allegations of market manipulation in response to whale alert tweets, both transactions were acknowledged by Tether CTO Paolo Arduino as issued inventory replenishes on the Tron network since yesterday. 150 million USDT minting, 15 transactions totaling 185.9 million USDT have been sent to exchanges including Bitfinex and Huobi as well as several quote unknown addresses. Almost 70% of the tokens sent out of the treasury ended up going to Binance. The Tether Treasury wallet now holds only a little more than 28 million USDT, 
the last of the transactions occurred one hour after the 300 million USDT run was minted. Tether issuance has been frequently linked with Bitcoin price rallies, although there is a constant chicken and egg debate over whether the issuance leads the rally or is in response to demand. Yes, demand. <laughs> Sorry. In April this year, Tether minted 160 million Tether. During Bitcoin's price rally to 9,000, it came one week after research was released that argued that USDT isn't used to manipulate Bitcoin's price. Tether's market cap has grown by more than 400%. Okay, blah, 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 blah. A shit ton of Tether has been printed. Uh, so Tether is a stable coin. That I don't even know why it's on Tron, honestly. Whatever. In either event, a whole bunch of Tether has been minted. In my experience of why, and I'm when I mean experience, I'm not talking about trading. I don't do it, okay? I recommend not doing it, but if you want to if you want to go that way, hey, you know, more power to you. I hope you don't get wrecked. But generally speaking, tether is printed at times like these, and I usually see them printed after after there's big price moves, but it, the printing is so quick that it's damn near, co you know, completely coincident with the price of of Bitcoin going up. Stablecoins are I don't know. It's rather interesting, depending on which one you're looking at. Tether is, is the oldest one that I know of, and it's always been kind of interesting to see what happens with Tether when we start getting price drops or price rises, but yeah, whatever. Let's see here. Uh, oh, God. Central bank digital currencies could threaten Bitcoin, says CZ. Ah. Binance boss Shengpeng Zhao aired his views on CBDCs, adding that Bitcoin could be under threat if a more advanced currency was launched. Oh, God, CZ. You're, okay, bef before we read this one, let's, let's caveat C uh, uh, CZ's knowledge of Bitcoin. CZ wanted to reverse a Bitcoin transaction because uh, uh, Binance got hacked and he wanted to, to reverse the transaction. So talked about getting a hold of the miners and see how that was going to do while, you know, seven hours passed while him and his cronies were talking to each other. The transaction in question became so covered in amber that it would take sticks and stick. Well, it would take like, I don't know, boatloads full of dynamite to blast it back out. It would have cost more to blast it out and reverse that transaction by pointing miners to it to try to fork the chain and do a 51% attack, which is essentially what he was talking about, and get that transaction to get reversed, um, then it was worth. CZ, he's rich, and he's going to smoke me for the rest of my life, and that's okay. So if you're going to go, I'm about to say something, and if you're going to say, well, he's richer than you, that's not an excuse for being this freaking stupid, okay? When he was that dumb that he thought he was going to be able to reverse a Bitcoin transaction, that told me everything I was ever going to need to know about CZ. I like the guy, but he still doesn't get it. Just because he's made a shit ton of money off of it doesn't mean he gets it, i.e. Brian Armstrong. Okay, so let's continue here. In a video interview with Fortune senior writer Jeff Roberts, he was asked how the People's Bank of China's digital yuan initiative would affect the crypto industry. Zhao responded that any blockchain or digital currency would be good for the industry overall as it legitimizes digital assets and broadens awareness. He added that while there is currently a race between major countries to launch one, most CBDCs are likely to be more restrictive initially, but will evolve over time. When asked directly about the threat to Bitcoin, CZ responded that very few CBDCs would have the same freedom as Bitcoin and they would be highly centralized and controlled. However, over a longer term, he cautioned, quote, if there is a government pushing another cryptocurrency that's even more open, more free, has less restrictions than Bitcoin and is faster and cheaper to use, then that would threaten Bitcoin. But that is good for the industry. It's just something better than Bitcoin and would replace it. Oh, God, CZ. Oh, I, man, you really don't understand this, do you? He added that it wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> Excuse me. He added that it wouldn't be a bad thing as it would be similar to web language HTML5 replacing HTML. This is the Ford. This is the Betamax versus VCR. This is the Model T. This is all of the really bad arguments combined into one, y'all. When asked 
whether Binance had any intentions of launching a WAN-based stablecoin to complement the existing stablecoins on the exchange, CZ stated that it would not be coming anytime soon. He added that there were too many restrictions regarding capital flight from China. Interest in CBDCs has grown in 2020 with mixed views. German politician and executive board member of the country's central bank, Burkhard Balls, <laughs> sounds like a porn star's name, stated recently that a digital euro would be a threat to the financial system if used as a store of value. The U.S. does not seem in a hurry to launch a digital dollar, but Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Pompliano argues that the U.S. will fall behind China if it doesn't act soon. Now, he's right there, but yeah, these are like some of the worst arguments that have been made over the last 10 years, uh, pointing at why something is going to come along uh, that's going to be better than Bitcoin. Let me tell you this. I've said it before. If something comes along and it's better than Bitcoin, then what the there's only one thing that can actually happen everything you lose trust in everything because at that point you are now on a treadmill of consistently and constantly having to not look at gains for stocks like okay okay let me just go ahead and say it you're going to have to be a professional currency jumper you're going to know you're going to have to know exactly when to, to to leave the one treadmill and get onto another treadmill and because you had to do that once you're going to have to do it infinite amounts of time you'll have to do it again and again and again you will have to chase yield not by becoming a professional stock trader or a professional financial analyst even though all you really want to do is is lay pipe or whatever it is that you want to do cuz right now you have to do this shit if you're a doctor, you have to be some kind of financial expert. If you're a plumber, you have to be some kind of financial expert. The only way to chase enough yield so that you don't get hosed at the end of your freaking life is to be a professional something that you never wanted to go to school for in the first damn place. Okay? That shit's wrong in, in all manner of ways. But now, 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 if this were to happen, now you're going to have to figure out when to jump from one currency to another. You'll have to be a professional digital currency something or other. I don't know what it would be called, but it's just crap. So, guys, stay as far away from this crap as, as humanly possible uh, as, as far as listening to people like CZ, who clearly really doesn't really understand what this whole thing means. Okay, he's just, hold on, guys. Hold on. Uh, and that's actually going to do it. Honestly, that's going to do it for the whole show. I'm not going to do a joke today. Uh, things are a little, you know, things are a little weird around here this morning. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.